I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun. Now Welcome to another episode Dale 7. Earnhardt Jr. Kurt Herbstreit is on the, the phone. The Outdoor Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Friday, April 21st, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. And yes, it is the Fun Friday edition. And yes, it is episode 700. Where does the time go? By the way, I made a commitment to myself. Once we get to a thousand, I think we're done counting down episodes of the Air Tour Sports Podcast, but it is episode 700. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We got a jam-packed show. So we're going to start actually with a college football transfer portal note. We had a very interesting development over the last couple of days. Miami starting quarterback Tyler Van Dyke apparently unhappy with the situation at Miami. Could he hit the portal? And has he already found a new home at Alabama? Very interesting story. We're going to break that down from there. We'll go to the basketball portal. And yes, we have an update on Wednesday's show. And yes, I will be taking a big fat L for my thoughts on Hunter Dickinson on Wednesday. Said that I didn't really see the Kentucky fit. 24 hours later, he's set to visit Kentucky this weekend. So we'll discuss what I got wrong, why I thought it was right, at the time, but then most importantly, what can we expect over the next week to 10 days from Hunter Dickinson and could he line end up at Kentucky? Finally, wrap the show, America's favorite podcast segment, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, fun time of year, busy time of year. By the way, you think we're slowing down because it's April? Think again. We got the portal. We got spring ball. We got the NFL draft next week. So it is going to be a fun few months here on the Aaron Torres pod. So excited. Appreciate everybody's support. Uh, And we are not slowing down anytime soon. So with that said, let's not waste any more time and let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, as I just said, look, college basketball's transfer portal has kind of taken over this show over the last three, four, five weeks. And with good reason, when Hunter Dickinson, when Caleb Love, when all these guys enter the portal, we got to talk about it. But let's make no mistake and let's acknowledge the fact that on last Saturday, April 15th, the college football portal reopened as well. Now, admittedly, things aren't quite as hectic as they were in December. December is kind of that big portal window where everybody can enter after the season. This time, it's been pretty slow with mostly reserves and backups and guys of that nature entering the portal. There hasn't been that super big name yet, but as we know, it only takes one name, only takes one big story to change the whole trajectory and give us a conversation to talk about, and that's what may be happening between Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke, who appears to be unhappy with his setup at at Miami, And the fact is, there is already a school rumored to be interested should he hit the portal, and that is the University of Alabama. Not sure if you heard of him. Nick Saban coaches him. You might have heard of him. They might be interested if he enters the portal. So let's break it down and let's talk about it. Van Dyke himself, I must say, is actually a very interesting story. First of all, Connecticut kid. Shout out Glastonbury, Connecticut. Ironically, or maybe not ironically, but interestingly, that's actually where Dan Hurley lives right now. So shout out Dan Hurley, shout out Tyler Van Dyke, 
Glastonbury, Connecticut, the epicenter of all things sports. But anyway, neither here nor there. So he was an interesting story because if you remember to this time last year, there was a lot of hype for Miami football. Mario Cristobal was coming in, but most importantly, they had this rising sophomore quarterback named Tyler Van Dyke that had largely taken the sport by storm the previous fall. If you remember, Miami got off to a slow start. They struggled, lost to Alabama, lost to Michigan State, a couple last-second field goals, whatever, to two other teams, not to Alabama. Alabama destroyed them, Michigan State destroyed them. But they're sitting at whatever, you know, two and four, and they hand the keys over to a freshman quarterback named Tyler Van Dyke. Tyler Van Dyke balls out, 26 touchdowns, five interceptions in the fall of 2021 in basically half of a season. And so you fast forward, and what ends up happening? Going into last spring, there was a lot of hype around Miami because they were returning Tyler Van Dyke with Mario Cristobal, Josh Gaddis, high-profile offensive coordinator from Michigan. And there was a lot of buzz around Tyler Van Dyke. Unfortunately, things didn't really work out, and it was really kind of an up-and-down season for him and for Miami as well. He gets banged up. Miami doesn't have much of an offensive line. The skill positions aren't good enough. And he really, really struggles. Ten touchdowns, five interceptions. Ten. This after, by the way, again, twenty-six touchdowns and five interceptions in the twenty twenty-one fall. Twenty twenty-two is a disaster. So anyway, Van Dyke's at the school. Spring practice finishes up last week, and you started to hear whispers over the last three to four days that things might not be good between Van Dyke and Miami. And then on Thursday. We got a new, we got actual reports. Okay, so this wasn't internet, Twitter, social media fodder. This came from credible outlets that were like, oh yeah, this might be a thing. The Miami Herald did an article. And then also Kane Sport, which is the on three affiliate of Miami football, wrote this. They wrote a big article, but this was part of what they said. Sources have told Kane Sport for many months that the Van Dyke camp has been frustrated that it has not been able to land a massive NIL hall at Miami where the effort has been more spread out as opposed to centered on one player. That is, again, on three's Kane Sport website. And so I bring it up to say, you now have credible outlets reporting it, and it kind of coincides with the fact that Alabama will wrap their spring this weekend their spring practices, and there really isn't much closure at the quarterback position. Bryce Young's gone. He's going to be the number one pick next next week. But at the same time, at Alabama, Jalen Milrow did not look great as his backup last year when he got forced into action when Bryce Young got hurt. Ty Simpson, five-star redshirt freshman, is he going to be ready? There's questions at quarterback. Alabama might be in the market. And so the question becomes, has Alabama actually reached out to this kid? Is there interest or is Miami potential? Or I take that back. Is Van Dyke's camp using Alabama as leverage to get what they want from Miami? It's an interesting conversation, but let me say this. If I had to guess, I would say that this feels to me like the Van Dyke camp trying to leverage more out of Miami as opposed to the fact that there's this long line of schools that are reaching out to Tyler Van Dyke to make it happen. Now, are people reaching out to Van Dyke's camp? I have no doubt. Would he take a bigger NIL deal? Probably. But at the same time, what this feels like to me is the new trend in college football, and I want to break it all down now because this is the new trend in college sports. I said college football, but it's really college sports that this is what is going to be the spring every single year. We are going to have what I like to call renegotiation season. What does that mean? It means, and we don't have to like it, by the way, but this is just the new world. Because remember, in professional sports, when a guy agrees to a contract, it's public. Patrick Mahomes signs a contract. It's for six years, $220 million, whatever it is. And it's public and everybody knows and everybody moves on. The NIL space, though, right now, as it's currently constituted, there's a lot more gray area. We think a guy's making that much. We think a guy's making that much. How much is on the table? How much is he getting? How much is available elsewhere? Nobody knows. But what I do know is that this is simple market economics 101. And I'm not an economist by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, it's not necessarily about how much are you worth. 
It's about how much can you make somebody else think that you're worth. And this is where I think we're going to be in college sports in the 2020s until NIL gets figured out. Now, I believe at some point NIL will get figured out in some way, shape or form. Either the government's going to step in or student athletes are eventually just going to become employees of the school. But right now, nobody really knows details. And really, the players have all the leverage in any NIL negotiations. What's the leverage? Well, there's mysterious offers out there from other schools that may or may not be legit. But then, just as, if not more important, is the transfer portal. If you don't like what you're getting, if you don't like, if you think you should be getting more, you can just threaten to transfer and then your school and its collective has to come up with the money or they're going to risk losing you. This has happened already. We saw it a few weeks ago. And sometimes, by the way, it doesn't work. Remember, Ogana Onyenso, the backup center at Kentucky, his people thought, oh my goodness, we got to hit the portal to see what's out there. Well, they saw what was out there and it wasn't that good. But at, at the other side, we've seen this work the other way as well. Remember a year ago when uh, uh, Nigel Pack, the basketball player at Miami, got that huge deal from Life Wallet, and John Ruiz, the big booster, put out, oh my goodness, we're paying this much money for two years. Nigel Pack, welcome to the family. Everybody remembers that. Do you remember, though, that Isaiah Wong, who ended up being the ACC Player of the Year, him and his representative said, wait a second now. If this kid's getting that much money and he's never played a second of basketball at Miami, why are we not getting more? And so he threatened to enter the portal. He threatened to enter the NBA draft. And eventually what happened was, whether it was public, private, whatever, he found something that he was happy with Miami and he returned. But this is the new world. We have to accept it. And so to me, this feels like more of a leverage ploy from Tyler Van Dyke and his people than it is he's actually going to leave and that Alabama is actually going to be interested. Two reasons why I think that. One, do you know who Tyler Van Dyke's agent is? So here's the thing about the NIL world, okay? It's that most of these kids, they're not really that valuable in the grand scheme of things. And most of them don't have these big powerhouse agencies behind them. Now, Caleb Williams does. Bryce Young did. Oscar Shibway, I'm sure, did. But there's a lot of low-level, whatever. The point I'm trying to make, Tyler Van Dyke has a real agent. You know who his agent is? Drew Rosenhaus. This ain't Drew Rosenhaus's first rodeo. And if you think Drew Rosenhaus is doing anything other than trying to get his client the most possible money, I, I, I don't see it. I, I think that's exactly what's going on here. And by the way, Drew Rosenhaus is a good agent. By the way, that's what agents are supposed to do. And I want to clarify something Really quick, and I know I'm all over the place, and we'll wrap this segment. We'll get to some Hunter Dickinson. But I do want to say this about the new world of college sports with agents. Again, we can like it. We cannot like it. We could wish there was a little bit more structure. But what I want to clarify is this. I, I think agents are getting a very negative connotation. I think NIL is getting a very negative connotation. Understand this. An agent's job, whether we like it or not, is to get their client the most possible money. It's not to be nice. It's not to be friendly. It's to get their client the most possible money. By the way, it's not just college sports. It's professional sports. It's actors. It's media people. Like your favorite person on TV. I'm just guessing. I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing Scott Van Pelt probably has an agent. His agent goes into a negotiation and tries to get the most possible money out of ESPN. And it's the player or you know, whoever, the client's job to tell the agent, this is what I want, make sure I land here. And so I bring it up because Drew Rosenhaus is Tyler Van Dyke's agent. And to me, this feels like an agent trying to push his weight around. This feels like an agent trying to get every last dollar for his client, especially because guess what? If Tyler Van Dyke has another dud year this year, there ain't going to be no more NIL money. There ain't going to be no more NFL and so you have to cash in while you can while you can, if you're Tyler Van Dyke and if you're Drew Rosenhaus. I'd also say the reason I think this is probably more an agent-driven thing, I don't know if Alabama's in the buying players at the highest possible price thing. Nick Saban was out. We spent all of May talking about Nick Saban, talking about Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M buying players. And I think Alabama's NIL is good. 
But I don't think Nick Saban is going to go out and just be the highest bidder for a guy in the portal, even if it is a position of need. And I don't know that even if Nick Saban had this unlimited war chest of NIL money, that he's going to spend it on Tyler Van Dyke. Tyler Van Dyke wasn't even that good last year. And it was interesting. I was talking to my buddy Ryan Fowler, who hosts in Tuscaloosa. Ryan knows that Alabama program inside and out. And he said, like, I don't know that Tyler Van Dyke's better than the guys that we have. So it'll be interesting to see this all unfold. It'll be interesting to see which side it is. Right now, like I said, if I had to guess, this feels like a leveraging ploy from Tyler Van Dyke and his camp. This feels like, by the way, taking advantage of a very public team in Alabama that very publicly does not have an established quarterback coming out of a spring ball or going into their spring game. But it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if he enters. It'll be interesting to see if he actually ends up leaving, if he actually ends up at Alabama, or on the flip side, if he actually comes back to Miami. All right, so what I want to do, I do want to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to go the other side. We're going to go to the portal in basketball. Yesterday, I was talking about Hunter Dickinson. I said, I don't really see the, uh, the Kentucky rumors for Hunter Dickinson. But a lot has changed. Hunter Dickinson is now visiting Kentucky. I got to take my L. I explain why I thought what I did and what I think happens next. Take a quick break. Be right back. Hunter Dickinson, Kentucky. That'll be next. All right, we'll get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook in the Betfred Sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here and nobody has you covered quite like Betfred. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,200 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast and all things Aaron Torres media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. You've seen the Betfred Sportsbook suite at Bengals games, it is hopping. We have sent listeners of this show to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitches at Colorado Rockies games. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred Sportsbook does, and here is what they are doing for the NBA playoffs. How about this for a deal? Bet $50 on any game, all playoffs long, get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, here is what else Betfred does for you. They're going to give you up to $200 in insurance for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So maybe you make a bad pick. We all do. We've all been there. Trust me. You followed my picks in March Madness. It happens. So you bet $200, does not work out, get $200 insurance for the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, equating up to $1,111 in free bets thanks to Betfred. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred does. Love working with them. They are the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod. Tell them Torres sent you. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Going to be back. Going to be back. Do want to switch gears. And I want to circle back on a story that we discussed on Wednesday's Aaron Torres podcast. It involved Hunter Dickinson. It involved his recruitment. 
And it involved reports that the University of Kentucky not only might be getting involved, but that Kentucky might actually be the favorite depending on the status and future of Oscar Sheebway. And so on Wednesday's show, I said, listen, I got nothing but respect for people who work hard in this business. And I said, it just doesn't pass the smell test to me. Doesn't pass the smell test because Hunter Dickinson has not visited Kentucky since he was way back in high school. Doesn't pass the smell test because we don't know Oscar Shibwe's future. And I said, I'm sorry, but I just don't see it. And so I bring it up because on Thursday morning, we got a report from my good buddy, David Sisk at Rivals.com. David does an incredible job covering recruiting for Kentucky and North Carolina. That Hunter Dickinson, oh yeah, Hunter Dickinson does in fact have a visit planned for the University of Kentucky this coming weekend. And so let me just say this. Listen, one thing about this show, I get a lot of stuff right. Okay, I think I give you insight on a lot of things that you don't find insight on anywhere else. I think I've given you probably 10, 12, 15 things in the last couple weeks that you haven't heard anywhere else. But one thing also about me is that sometimes in life, you gotta take an L. And one thing about me, I own all my L's. I own that I get stuff wrong. Sometimes we do a segment called Aaron Right, Aaron Wrong every single week to talk about my biggest L's of the week. We're gonna do it after this segment. And so I bring it up to just say, when you talk about an all-time L, to go from Wednesday, me saying, I just didn't see it with Kentucky, to Thursday morning, David Sisk reporting that Hunter Dickinson is in fact going to visit Kentucky. Your boy has to take an L. I got to own it. Bad by Torres. Shame on you. Slap on the wrist. Now let's get to the good stuff. What does this mean for, first of all, what changed? What does this mean for Kentucky? And just in the big picture, 30,000 foot view, what does it mean for Hunter Dickinson's recruitment? And so let's get into it. And and there's been a lot of new context since I recorded Wednesday morning. Um, A lot of just new stuff that has come out. And so part of the reason, again, why I just said, listen, I'm not, I'm not doubting that Kentucky has been in contact with him, but I don't think Kentucky is a real player for a couple different reasons. The two main reasons, well, really three main reasons that I thought that Hunter Dickinson, while he may have been in contact with Kentucky, wasn't a serious candidate to transfer there is for three, again, specific reasons. The first one, I said it. I said, look, he's visiting Maryland. He's visiting Georgetown. He did that last weekend. He's visiting Kansas later this week. I know that he visited Kentucky in high school, but I just don't see the scenario where he's going to commit to somewhere in the most meaningful decision of his career to this point without taking a visit. Beyond that, I said two other things. I said, one, I certainly can't see him visiting or or committing, excuse me, to Kentucky without taking a visit, but also without knowing the status of Oscar Shibwe going forward. As of Wednesday afternoon, all we knew was that Oscar Shibwe was testing the NBA draft waters, but there were mixed reports on how serious he was about coming back to college basketball. And then finally, we talked about this a lot. It came down to, would John Calipari actually accept a commitment with Oscar Shibwe's NBA draft status uncertain? So when you talk about what changed, well, we literally got answers to all of those questions since I recorded on Wednesday morning. First off, John Calipari, that sly little devil, Coach Cal, he met with Hunter Dickinson on, I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, in Michigan. It was a very stealth meeting. Flew into a private airport. Hunter Dickinson met him there, and they really talked about everything big picture. Part of what they talked about was, hey, we got to get you to campus. We have a new strength and conditioning coach. We have new stuff going on. We want to get you there. So one, check number one. I didn't think he'd commit, and I'm not saying he's going to commit, but I'm just saying, I didn't think he'd commit anywhere without visiting. Well, he's going to visit this Sunday, according to David Sisk. Two, we didn't know the status of Oscar Shibwe. But Hunter Dickinson actually addressed this on his podcast with Barstool Sports. I'm, I'm going to read you a little segment of what Hunter Dickinson said about Oscar Shibwe's status at Kentucky. Hunter Dickinson, in his meeting with Coach Cal, said this is, what, this is what Hunter Dickinson said about his meeting with Coach Cal on the Barstool Sports podcast. He said, we talked about the situation occurring, situation being Oscar Shibwe's future. We talked about that situation, obviously, because that's very contingent on 
even if I was interested in them, that's why I wanted to meet with them to talk about that because that has a lot to do with me even being interested in them at all. We talked about that. He continued, I don't really want to say what was said because that's another person's business. I don't want to be doing, I don't want to say what he's doing because that's his business. But obviously, whatever we talked about was good enough for me to take the visit. So I guess that's news right there. Again, and by the way, respectful of Hunter Dickinson, I respect that, is he's asking tough questions and John Calipari is giving him good answers. As Hunter Dickinson said, that's Oscar's business. I'm not trying to get in the middle of Oscar's business or make the decision any tougher for him. But why am I going to take a visit? Why am I seriously going to consider Kentucky if they are going to take this guy back or if there's a belief that he's coming back? Well, Hunter Dickinson basically told you Oscar Shibway isn't coming back. And then three... We also got an answer to the final question that I had on Wednesday when after it was announced that Hunter Dickinson would take a visit, my buddy Jack Pilgrim said, look, if Hunter Dickinson is ready to commit on that visit, John Calipari will take the commitment. We're not waiting around. We're not screwing around. We love, by the way, we, we love Oscar. Everybody loves Oscar. You, you can't watch college basketball and not love Oscar Shibway. But at the same time, if Hunter Dickinson, this is what we talked about on Wednesday's show. I said, if you have a bird in the hand, if you have a seven-footer in the hand, it's better than, what do they say, two in the bush? If you have Hunter Dickinson ready to commit, you have to take it, and it appears as though John Calipari is ready to take it. So, yes, I got to take the L, but at the same time, all three of my biggest questions were all answered on sometime between Wednesday night and Thursday morning, and now it sets up, boy, oh boy, a fascinating home stretch of Hunter Dickinson's recruitment. Now, listen, I don't really know how, how far along it is. I assume that he's probably going to commit in the next two, two and a half, three weeks at maximum, probably the next two weeks, I would think, because, hey, most, most schools let out in early May, and then everybody's got to report back in late May or early June for summer school. So my hunch is this decision is coming, but I do think it changes just a little bit in terms of what we can expect, and what the timeline is. First of all, if Hunter Dickinson's still taking meetings and Hunter Dickinson's still taking visits, in theory, it's still adding visits, I should say, in theory, it's still possible that other teams could get on his radar. Now, I don't think there's that many rocks left to unturn, but listen, you've heard reports and I've heard reports, Arkansas is trying to get in the mix there. So Arkansas is the other one to me that becomes interesting because obviously if Hunter Dickinson is still adding visits, then my hunch is that he's willing to at least consider other visits as well, although we will see. And then from there, it gets really interesting. Now, as I record here on Thursday, Hunter Dickinson is in the middle of a visit to Kansas, which obviously a lot of people think right now might be the favorite. Then he's got Kentucky. Then we see if he has any other visits. But again, the end of the day, it feels like this is coming down the home stretch. Now, in terms of what that actual decision will be, I'll just be blunt. On the one hand, everything, this this whole Kentucky twist throws an absolute monkey wrench in everything. But I also think you got to feel good if you're a Kentucky fan. Because on the one hand, it throws the monkey wrench in because I'm not sold. I, I truly believe this in my heart of hearts. I don't even think Hunter Dickinson knows where he wants to go yet. If he knew for sure, he either wouldn't be adding visits or on the flip side, he would have already asked these tough questions to Kentucky, already gotten the answers, and already visited. So the fact that he visited Maryland, that he visited Georgetown, that he is, as I'm recording now, visiting Kansas, and now set to visit Kentucky, that means to me that I don't even think uh, uh, Hunter Dickinson knows totally for sure. But what we'll find out over the coming days and weeks is kind of what he values the most. Does he value being the hometown hero? If so, it's probably Maryland. Does he value being, say, the hometown hero, but also the face of a rebuild? Because if so, it's probably Georgetown. Does he value the place where he believes he can go and be the missing piece of a national championship contender? Because then it's Kansas, then it's Kentucky. If it's all about NIL, the answer could be something different. I can't speak for what Georgetown or Maryland or Kansas or Kentucky could put together for a player of Hunter Dickinson's caliber. Now, I know that obviously Oscar Shibway probably, um, you know, with everything dating back to last summer in the Bahamas, was maybe the most well-compensated player in college basketball. So the point I'm trying to make is 
We don't, I, I think it's impossible to really know because I don't think Hunter Dickinson knows. But when we get that decision, we're going to find out. Is it about winning a national championship, going home, being the face of a program? What is it? But we should find out. But what I will say from the Kentucky perspective, I think you got to feel really good if you're a Kentucky fan right now about this recruitment. Because two days ago, we didn't have a visit. We didn't have a meeting with Coach Cal. All we had was a vague Zoom interview a few weeks ago and rumblings that there was interest. But now we know they met, and we know Coach Cal. Listen, we could criticize Coach Cal to the high heavens on the court in whatever. Whatever happened in December, January, February. But this man just, it's incredible what he just did. What he just did was as Hunter Dickinson's recruitment is coming down the home stretch. He convinced Hunter Dickinson, no, you need to be more seriously considering us. And so I give him a ton of credit. And I think if you're a Kentucky fan, you got to feel really good. Because on the one hand, if Hunter Dickinson was 100% sold on what Maryland had to offer, what Georgetown had to offer, or that Kansas was maybe the final fit. And we'll see, by the way. If I learned anything from yesterday, it's that maybe Kansas knocks his socks off, he cancels the Kentucky visit, and he commits right now. But I think if he was 100% sold, on anything that he had seen so far, he's not taking Coach Cal's call. He's not taking Coach Cal's visit, and he's not visiting Kentucky himself. And so we'll find out what happens in the coming days. But if you're a Kentucky fan, I got to be real. You have to feel really, really, really good that this guy literally potentially pushed back the whole process an extra five, six, seven days, whatever it ends up being, to see your campus, to meet with your staff, to get to know what Kentucky's all about. You got to feel really, really, really good. Uh, and it'll be a fascinating story to watch unfold. Finally, let me just say this. I want to move on to the other uh, big commitments of the last couple of days, but shout out BBN, shout out Hunter Dickinson, shout out all the people who had it right. Got to take an L on Hunter Dickinson in Kentucky from 24 hours ago. All right, really quickly, some other portal news and notes over the last couple of days. Um, and it's ironic. Let, let, let's actually start with, you know, maybe a potential, honestly, future teammate of Hunter Dickinson at Kansas because Hunter Dickinson is not the only player that Kansas is pursuing. On Wednesday, after I recorded, Kansas got a big-time commit in Nick Timberlake, 17 points per game at Towson this year. 41% three-point shooter. He will be a sixth-year player. This guy was one of the most coveted players in the portal. Visited North Carolina early in the process. I will tell you, he visited UConn last week. UConn kind of, I'll say this. I think UConn, Dan Hurley, I think, has a good feel for what his roster is going to look like in 2023-2024. The one spot that he very clearly is embracing bringing in a high-level transfer is as a replacement for Jordan Hawkins. That's the only place that they're really recruiting, it appears right now, in terms of filling a spot with a transfer. That shooting guard off-ball spot. And Nick Timberlake, for all intents and purposes, appears to have been the top priority. And I'll take it a step further. It all made sense for UConn because he's from Massachusetts originally. Come back home, be part of the reigning national champion. And so I bring it up because for Bill Self to swoop in, that little Jayhawk swooping in and getting his guy credit where it is due, and I think this is a big pickup for Kansas. Now, from the Kansas perspective, this is really important for a few reasons. Really felt like coming into the offseason, Kansas has some really nice pieces coming back, but they have actually some legitimate questions as well. Jalen Wilson, the All-American, he's going to the NBA. Grady Dick, All-American freshman or freshman All-American, however you want to term it, he's going to the NBA. And so you have Dewan Harris back at point guard. You have, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, KJ Adams back in the low post. You lose a couple players to the portal from the uh, for off the bench. You need scoring on the wing and on the perimeter, and Bill Self just addressed it. So you know, listen, Kansas still has some pieces to to fill, some holes, to, some holes to plug. And it, the guy I just talked about for a few minutes there, Hunter Dickinson, is probably still their priority number one. But this was a big get for Kansas. Kansas picking up. Nick Timberlake, I think he's going to be really good. By the way, the irony is that UConn and Kansas actually play next year in Lawrence. Not going to lie, your boy Torres is probably going to try to get to that game. But I bring it up because Nick Timberlake will be seeing UConn. This seemed like it was a done deal for UConn. 
Kansas swoops in at the 11th hour and gets their man. Only other real portal news that I really want to just touch on very quickly. Tennessee did add a couple nice pieces this week. Tennessee, interesting offseason, um, you know, disappointing and lose to Florida Atlantic in the Sweet 16. Could have gone to the Elite Eight, whatever. They lose to Florida Atlantic, and they kind of are who they are, right? They're, 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 they're this big, physical, brute team. And they, in theory, could return everybody. So yesterday, on Wednesday's show, we talked about Santiago Viscovi. Fifth-year player will be coming back next year for a final year of eligibility. But they did add two very nice pieces out of the portal. The first one, a kid named Jordan Ganey. Now, it's worth noting his his father is actually an assistant coach at Tennessee right now. Um, But he played at the low major level, USC Upstate. And he is exactly kind of what the doctor ordered for that team. He was USC Upstate's leading scorer. That's South Carolina Upstate. Averaged 15 points per game, 35% three-point shooter. Tennessee just needs dudes that can put the ball in the basket, right? We all watched Tennessee this year. It was not pretty. So they add him, and then they add a very nice piece late on Wednesday night as they added Chris Ledlam, 18.5 points per game, 8.5 rebounds per game at Harvard this past season. Now, ironically, if you're looking for a comp for Chris Ledlam, the answer is probably Grant Williams, about six foot six, six foot seven, kind of a physical, you know, bowling ball type kid, but one that has worked under Rick Barnes at Tennessee. And two, I do think he's just kind of a nice piece to add to what they have. We know Zakai Ziegler's coming back. We know um, Santiago Vescovi is coming back right now. Front court's a little bit more in question, and they obviously need some scoring pop with Olivier Kangwa, one of their best offensive players, entering the portal to use his extra year somewhere else. So those are the two kind of noteworthy portal decisions since I last recorded. Nick Timberlake to Kansas, and then also Tennessee picking up two nice pieces as well. Uh, But there's still some big fish out there as I record, and obviously stuff is subject to change, but still a couple big names out there, including Hunter Dickinson, who we just discussed. Um, Hunter Dickinson at Kansas this uh, Thursday, and assuming nothing changes, and we know that it does in this business, uh, he will be going to Kentucky this coming Sunday. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break. I want to wrap the show like we do every Friday with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Oh, we'll be revisiting Hunter Dickinson. Don't you worry. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, everybody, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. Final segment of the week. So good to be back. And for the second week in a row, we are going to wrap with America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Now, we took a few Fridays off from Aaron right, Aaron wrong, because there was so much going on. I was at the Final Four, NCAA tournament, conference tournaments, whatever. But we came back with a vengeance last week, and we are back again this week. Wrapping the week with Aaron right, Aaron wrong. By now, most of you know why we do this segment. 
Yes, stole it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And I decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast for one very simple reason. It is because nobody loves spitting out hot sports takes more than your boy Torres. Torres said this. Torres said that. Torres said Hunter Dickinson wasn't being recruited by Kentucky, but he was dead wrong. And sometimes you got to own your L's, give yourself a slap on the wrist. And so we wrap every week with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, giving you my best and worst takes of the week. And I'll tell you this, for just one week off, since the last time we did one of these, today is going to be a doozy. Where Aaron was right. So on Monday's show, I said, look, I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what the reports are. Bryce Young is going to go number one, and Bryce Young should go number one. Well, what happened shortly after that episode posted on Monday? Uh, Yeah, Bryce Young canceled all of his other visits outside of Carolina, and the betting markets now reflect that Bryce Young is the guy. Listen, I said it on Monday. I get how this process works. Teams have to go through the process. Teams can't be too obvious. The Panthers have to leave the option open that they could take somebody else so that they can create some trade interest in the number one pick. But I said, as long as they kept the pick, once they got the pick, always thought they knew who they were going with, always thought Bryce Young was the guy. He is awesome, okay? He's talented. He's smart. You know, the NFL people that understand processing speed and things like that say that they haven't seen anybody like him in a very long time. And I'm telling you, the reasons not to pick him are dumb. Don't tell me he's injury prone when his injury at Alabama could have happened to anybody. Don't tell me he played with insane talent at Alabama. Go back and look at the wide receiver core, the offensive line core. I would pick this guy number one, no doubt about it. Wouldn't even think twice about it. Apparently, Carolina agrees. Next Thursday, NFL draft, Bryce Young will go number one. Where Aaron was wrong. Well, I just did a whole segment on it. Hunter Dickinson is the number one recruit in the transfer portal. On Wednesday, Matt Jones, or I guess it was Tuesday, Matt Jones reported, there is real interest between Kentucky and Michigan. And I said, look, I love Matt. Respect the hell out of Matt. I just don't know if I believe this one. And it was for all the reasons that we just discussed. Hasn't visited the school since high school. We don't know Oscar Shibway's status. We don't even know if Cal would take a commitment while Oscar Shibway is going through the draft process. Well, in the last 24 hours, we got an answer to all of those things. But at the end of the day, I can't beat around the bush. I can't pretend or undo what I said on Wednesday. I said I didn't buy it. I said I thought it would come down to Maryland, Georgetown, and Kansas. Ah, yeah, Kentucky is very much a player for Hunter Dickinson, who will visit the school this weekend. And as I just said, a fascinating decision upcoming where Aaron was right. So this was one part that I got right on Hunter Dickinson. If you remember on Wednesday's show, I said, look, I don't know if it's going to happen, but if it comes down to waiting until May, the end of May, for an Oscar Shibway decision or taking a Hunter Dickinson commitment right now, you got to take the Hunter Dickinson commitment. And so on that one, I got it dead right. Apparently, John Calipari agrees. And listen, you can blame Coach Cal for whatever, but he's dead right on this. Listen, we all love Oscar Shibway. We all love what he did for Kentucky, what he did for college basketball, National Player of the Year. I think he really made Kentucky like like he created great vibes around Kentucky again after that disastrous 2020-2021 season but you just can't go into mid-May trying to figure out if he's going to come back if he's not if Hunter Dickinson is interested now if Hunter Dickinson is not interested I don't think you just go take a body for the sake of taking a body and push us push Oscar Shibway out but if you have the chance to bring in Hunter Dickinson and it comes at the expense of waiting another five weeks on Oscar Shibway. You got to take it. Based on Hunter Dickinson's comments, based on Jack Pilgrim's report, it appears as though Kentucky would take Oscar or take Hunter Dickinson's commitment if it indeed happened. Where Aaron was wrong. So one topic that I did not talk about, and I kind of regretted not talking about it on uh, on Wednesday's show, was the insane. Draymond Green's story in Sacramento steps on DeMontis Sabonis's uh, chest. Did Sabonis grab his leg? Whatever. Why I bring it up is because through the years, I've said that I've never seen a sports commissioner with less of a backbone than Adam Silver. And I reiterated that again when it appeared as though Draymond Green was not going to get suspended. Well, fast forward to Wednesday night or Tuesday night or whenever the suspension came down, Draymond Green 
did not play in game three last night for the Golden State Warriors. I can criticize Adam Silver to the high heavens, but listen, again, we didn't talk about it on Wednesday's show. I thought this was the right decision. Don't tell me Sabonis started it. Listen, I don't care who started it. What Draymond Green did was potentially dangerous. And I'll add this. The idea that we can't use previous actions as a reason to suspend him now is idiotic because that's what I heard, right? It was like, what is it? What does him having previous incidents have to do with this? I don't know. Maybe it's a trend. Maybe you got to set the tone. Maybe you got to let him know that this behavior is not acceptable. I'm not a parent, but I will say, if you catch your kid smoking cigarettes and then you punish him for it, I assume most people would, and then you catch him a week later, of course, you're going to give him a tougher punishment because they already got caught in the act previously. Same with Draymond Green. I had no problem with the suspension. It was the right move by Adam Silver. If I'm going to criticize the guy for being soft, I got to acknowledge that I was wrong because at least on this one, he got it right. Where Aaron was right. Let's go back to the NFL draft and let's go back to Monday's show where I said, I don't think it's a lock that CJ Stroud's going to go number two overall. If you're the Houston Texans and you're D'Amico Ryans and you believe that C.J. Stroud is no doubt about it, the best player in the draft, he is going to change your franchise, then yes, you take him. But if you're D'Amico Ryans with a six-year contract, you come from San Francisco where the quarterback play has never been elite, it hasn't stopped them from making three straight NFC championship games and going to a Super Bowl, if you believe that you can get an elite defensive player at number two overall, probably Will Anderson, why not do that and wait until the next draft to potentially be in position to get Caleb Williams or Drake May? Listen, a few years ago, San Francisco, number two overall pick. Whoever was in the mix that year, they took Nick Bosa, and I don't think they regretted it. If you think Will Anderson's the best player available, go get him. D'Amico Ryans has a six-year contract. He ain't getting fired next year, and all you're doing is putting yourself in position to draft Caleb Williams. No-brainer to me. If you love C.J. Stroud, draft him. If not, take the defensive guy. And recent reports seem to indicate that Will Anderson is the favorite to go number two overall. Where Aaron was wrong, staying with the NFL draft, I said a few days ago, I would not draft Jalen Carter in the top 10 if I was a team. Um, just too many questions from my perspective. You had character issues before the incident on Georgia's campus. You had the campus incident where Jalen Carter ended up getting arrested, had to leave the combine to turn himself into police. And then, oh, by the way, at his pro day, he couldn't finish the drills because he was out of shape. No one doubts the talent jumps off the page on Jalen Carter. But my concern is and always has been, you know, they say money, it doesn't reveal care. It, it doesn't change who you are. It shows more of who you already were. So now you're going to draft this guy in the top 10 and give him millions of dollars. I simply wouldn't do it. Ultimately though, I'm not an NFL GM. I'm not a front office. And it appears as though he is probably going to go very early. It seems likely at number five to Seattle. Pete Carroll has a history. He's not afraid to take a guy that's a little rough around the edges. If he believes in the talent and it looks as though Jalen Carter will go off the board at five. Wouldn't it be my pick, but my opinion doesn't matter on this one. I think he's probably going top five. Wrap up. Aaron Wright. Okay. This is this is a this is a, a you got to be a diehard listener to remember this one. But last summer, when Arch Manning committed to Texas, okay, there was this big thing the day he committed of, oh boy, Quinn Ewers, he's gonna enter the transfer portal, and it's like. Does anyone realize how college football works and how quarterback recruiting works? For the most part, you recruit a guy to come sit for a year at the quarterback position. Most, most freshman quarterbacks don't want to go to a place where they're expected to start right away. Most of the time, you recruit a guy, you have him sit a year, and then by year two, he's ready to compete for the job. So I never understood this thing of like, oh, this means the end for Quinn Ewers. No, it means that Quinn Ewers is expected to start in 2022 and 2023, and then Arch Manning takes over in the fall of 2024. I bring it up because Texas had their spring game last Saturday, and one of the few takeaways out of the spring was that Steve Sarkeesian said, oh yeah, Quinn Ewers is for sure our starter. Doesn't mean our Arch Manning is overrated, doesn't mean he's going to transfer, but in general, you recruit guys to sit for a year and then play in their second year. Remember, 
Caleb Williams went to Oklahoma planning on sitting behind Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler was just terrible. Um, you know, Ty Simpson was a five-star kid committed to Alabama last year, knowing that there would be a, a, a quarterback opening this year post Bryce Young. You go on and on down the list. Malachi Nelson was the number two quarterback in this high school class committed to USC to back up Caleb Williams this year. Full circle, Quinn Ewers is named starter. I'm not surprised at all. Finally, where Aaron was wrong, to go back to the hoops transfer portal, um, said a few days ago, kid named Nick Timberlake. I said, kid's really good, from Towson. I believe he's going to ultimately end up at UConn. One thing I forgot, you never bet against Bill Self in recruiting. He gets his guy. Now, listen, UConn's going to be fine. They're going to find somebody to fill that gap at the two spot. And it's also, by the way, possible UConn could bring back Tristan Newton, their starter on the Final Four team last year, and almost play a two-point guard system with Stefan Castle, who is a five-star McDonald's All-American, basically saying they don't necessarily need another person to fill that spot. But I said I thought Nick Timberlake was going to be a Husky. Bet against Bill Self at your own risk. Nick Timberlake headed to Kansas. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Got to tell you, for a Friday show, a lot of energy on this Friday show. A lot of good stuff that we just discussed. Uh, and yeah, that's really it. Listen, if you're not subscribed to the Air Tour Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. That is all for this week's show. We'll be back next week, and I think it's going to be a fun week. I'm talking NFL Draft. Maybe if something interesting happens in that Dion uh, 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 Coach Prime Colorado spring game, we discuss that. But it'll be a fun week, a busy week. Maybe we get some answers on Hunter Dickens. So stay tuned. It will be fun. April is just rolling along, and the content keeps coming. Time for me to get out of here. Thank you again for everyone's support, and it's time for me to go. Shout out to Torn. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F had unblocked me, bro. It's the playoffs. We should talk ball. You should come on my show. I should come on your show. Whatever. I'll be back on Monday. New episode of the Aaron Torres pod. Appreciate everybody's support. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.